This is Flora having a conversation with Talk Popsy's resident philosopher, Laura, at Lincoln Terrace Park in Brooklyn. It is August 2019. All right. Welcome to Talk Popsy. Thank you. Uh, what's your name again? Flora. Flora. Hey. Nice to meet you. I'm Laura. Nice to meet you too. <laughs> Basically, you with an F in front. So tell me about... Uh, about myself? About yourself. Um, yeah, sure. I'm, I was born and raised in Austria. But I've been here for a year. I came here to study. Um, to Brooklyn? Or? Um, yeah, to okay. New York. And I was in London before for four years, um, also to study. I basically spent the last, wait, how long? Five years of my life in school. Okay. And I'm just starting a PhD program now, so I have five wow. years ahead. In what? In art history. Oh, in art history? Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. It's perfect um, for our topic of the day, which is... Yeah, art. but it's actually... It's quite hard to talk kind of freely about art when it's something that you work so closely with all day long, like all the time. Oh, why? And then kind of kind of to step back and then be like, this is why art means this so much to me. It's actually quite tricky. Yeah. So like the closer you are to it, the harder it is to actually then kind of think about it in larger ter- larger terms. Because it's so much a part of your... Yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's kind of like you you know why you do it and you know why you love doing it so much, but then you barely have like the chance to step back and be like, yep, this is why, this is important to me. And so maybe we should take that opportunity. Yeah, which is funny because I'm starting the program, actually classes are starting in two days oh, wow. or tomorrow. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Time uh, to reflect. Yeah, exactly. Before. Exactly, yeah. So yeah. what's your focus um, contemporary performance art. Contemporary performance art. Yeah. Wow. And the history of that. Also or? the history. Yeah. So basically, kind of starting in the sixties ish. Um, I mean, at this point, it's very much to be determined. But this is kind of what I'm interested in. Is okay. The moment in the sixties when basically there was this kind of step from minimalism to performance art that sa- seems like a big step basically minimalism, minimalism to, being like to people putting a like cube in the gallery and nothing else and then being like okay so this is kind of yeah. art and then from a few years later kind of at the same time um bodies were appearing in galleries and people were using the bo- their body as their own medium oh, um, okay. and so that's really cool to me that that happened at the same time because a lot of kind of the way I think about performance art is that it is the act of turning your body into the object of art kind of what are the political implications of turning your body into an object to be looked at by others especially as a woman especially as a or as a person of color um so kind of from there um up to the contemporary moment and kind of the things that are that performances kind of address now yeah, that's such a rich subject. So, yeah, hopefully. So, and, so performance art requires the use of, of your of, the artist's body. Maybe the artist's body, but there's also this other big kind of strand of performance art called delegated performance, where the artist actually hires other bodies to perform uh-huh. for them, right. which then brings in really interesting problems of labor and kind of exploitation also. Um, kind of outsourcing of art kind of almost art like artists in in the renaissance who had a workshop working for them and then kind of 
you have it questions of authorship you know, who can claim that this is their performance why does yeah. the art the performance artist take all the credit when in fact it was a bunch of people working for them um yeah who how much were they paid brings in that so this is this is why it excites me so much um it's because it through the lens of this you can see so many contemporary questions of kind of labor exploitation yeah. underpayment and kind of the dynamics of neoliberal work um yeah so you're really looking at oh you're almost looking at the sort of like political sides of yeah definitely art performance yeah definitely that's a yeah. huge 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 side to me and when i decided kind of to study art history it took me five years I've, I, don't, i don't have a background in art history i did a bunch of other things before uh -huh. that um What was important to me was to find ways to think about politics through art, and okay. so why is why was that important, or what what um, was because I didn't. What, wanna, how did you find that? Um, that that was my kind of that was how I started out, kind of going into undergrad. I wanted to find ways to think critically about a bunch of things in the world, capitalism. Yeah racism whatever and the way i understood art or art history at that point was kind of this ivory tower thing where mm. you're just like looking at some nice paintings from 500 years ago and you're not really changing anything right that's why i didn't do that and i did this liberal arts program and now i'm doing it i'm trying to find ways to study art history and not fall back into kind of an ivory tower navel gazing yeah okay approach. so this ivory tower idea of art I mean, it's interesting because that's an idea that yeah. sort of has followed philosophy around for mm -hmm. all its years, right? This idea that we're like way up in the ivory tower of yeah. like yeah. the mind and we're yeah. inaccessible yeah. to yeah. the people who are doing things in the world yeah. below. Yeah. Do you um, feel that way about your work? That it's ivory tower-esque? Well, do, you have, like, do you have the same like qualms about your own work? Like, do you work? Do you try to pressure those assumptions? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think that's one of the issues with yeah. philosophy and a way that actually art, I think, kind of overcomes. You know, yeah. philosophers are kind of out of the common discourse these days. Yeah. In ways that in the past they've been like yeah. super active politically. Yeah. And, but these days, you know, we're all just like in our little universities, yeah. you know, sitting around our tables okay. doing our. Yeah. talking amongst ourselves yeah, yeah so um i mean not that there aren't outlets right yeah, yeah. public outlets but, yeah but yeah i do so, think um, that contemporary art even if it's the kind of the step of bringing these ideas to a broader audience falls uh, often falls into the same kind of traps of being very insular and the, the audience that's gonna watch yeah. it is gonna gonna be the people that think that way already anyways it's this idea of like right. a lot of it is kind of preaching to the choir and it's like whatever yeah. we need to do something about climate change and everybody in the audience is like yep yeah we've got our social bubbles exactly right? a huge part of the audience that would go to contemporary performances have a certain level of education come from a certain social background and yeah. I mean, um, you think of like the opera right Uh, yeah, to an extreme. A bunch yeah. of like old white men. And yeah, yeah. I the town I'm or the city I'm from, Salzburg, has this huge classical music festival, and um, it's wonderful. I love it. And but the audience is set, is the prime example of not diverse. Yeah, and it's sad because 
I mean, I think that the music they play there is amazing. Um, it's um, like there's art for certain people. Exactly. And it's exactly. Not and just, for other people. Yeah. And it's just like this closed circuit thing <clears throat> where kind of yeah, the, the same ideas keep on circulating because the same people keep on talking. Although uh, maybe the same people keep on talking would be too strong. I think maybe that's not true after all, because there's a lot of people of color doing work now. Mm -hmm. A lot of women. I was at the Biennale this summer. Um, the, in Venice, and there were so many women exhibiting there. It was wow. amazing. I think yeah. it was I, gut feeling. I would say like sixty, seventy percent. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so, amazing. That, like, yeah. yeah, I was. I actually just found this collection of art books recently. Mm -hmm. It's like supposed. It's called like twenty twenty thousand years of art or something. Yeah. And literally, like look, looking through it, yeah. it was all men. Yeah, I know. I was playing, I played this car, car game with my dad a few years ago. We were playing just like thinking about artists. And then we played think about a non-contemporary female artist. And like we got to number three. Like, <laughs> and like then Mary Cassatt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not to say that, you know, it's a super closed circuit and nothing changes. A lot of things are changing, but which doesn't mean that a lot of things do need to change, especially yeah. in terms of class. Yeah, slowly so. but surely. Mm. And it's not that there aren't or weren't female artists, right? Yeah, it's just exactly. that they're not being yeah. put into these yeah. volumes of yeah. exactly. the history. Just, that was so amazing about this exhibition at the Guggenheim about a few months ago, um, Hilda of Klint. I don't oh. know if you saw that one, but yeah, it was so great because her... I mean, I came in and I, the first kind of few turns, I was like, this is so weird. This doesn't look like anything I've seen before. And then at the end, you're like, yeah, if we had included these and these female artists, our conception of modernism would be so different. Right. There's Amazing. so much missing from Amazing. the story. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much missing. Right. And it's yeah. like how many other artists are out there like hiding in the corners or yeah. like in history. Yeah. Know, right. Yeah. At the same time, no, I'm there. I think I've come across really um, fruitful critiques of kind of this idea of making visible. Just mm. um, you know, yeah. this is you know that's it can be a very arrogant gesture too to say like, oh, this is our stage and you're worth two of being on our stage. It's like what, like why? whoever said that this was the best place to play your music or show your things, this kind of idea of including, like creating inclusive museums or whatever art spaces. It's like, where, where isn't that also an arrogant gesture to say that, you know, we figured out the best way to do this and that, and now you can be part of it. Huh. So you're th are you thinking more in terms of like curation of arts, like through museums or... Are you thinking in terms of performance art? Um, maybe like if we take it to performance art, this idea of kind of lifting these things that were hap like are happening in the backyards and in the kind of living rooms and wherever on the street and then placing it into the museum and then feeling really good about it because you're being also whatever because inclusive. Because it's being made visible. Oh, because yeah, it's being because seen. Because it's made visible, because it's giving in, given institutional space. It's okay. kind of given this kind of institutional credit. Publicly visible. Yeah. Right? In some sense. And, and at the same time, it's like, why Like, why didn't you think in the first place that like, 
this thing in the street or in the in the garden wasn't a legitimate space too at the same to time like it, yeah yeah people need to eat and need money i don't know it's a I mean, that's complicated certainly problem. part of it but there's also something about changing the relations of the object or maybe like the art object yeah. what do you mean by like that? taking it out of its home its normal place yeah. wherever yeah. it is say the microphone you're speaking yeah. in and putting it in a museum i mean yeah. that's like the first yeah that's, that's like, like the entrance into performance art yeah. that you yeah, just yeah. spoke yeah. of with minimalism yeah. in a way right yeah so there's like almost there's some sort of like change yeah in the object yeah, yeah. that's sense. kind of like the the kind of duchampian gesture right. of putting the urinal into the museum and flipping it once around and then signing it and then being like okay this is art now yeah um It's almost, yeah. it's performance in a way without the, yeah, I mean, the performer doesn't have to stand there, but you know yeah. the performer came yeah, yeah. in somewhere, took, yeah. picked up the urinal, yeah. put it there. At right? the same time, the urinal is turned into an art object because it was Duchamp, a white guy with probably, I don't know, that, that's enough standing to for his gesture to be valid enough to turn it into an art object. Right. So I don't know. That's I'm, an excellent point. I'm yeah. really conflicted about this kind of, this idea of bringing things into the museum um, because the, I think the museum is also a really dangerous space that, that makes things that are very vulnerable in the first place can make it sterile or whatever yeah. like take the magic that was part of it before it was in a museum and this kind of when you talk about inclusivity you you need to be aware that maybe you're gonna like, kill whatever you're bringing into the museum by bringing it there And at the same by including time. it or yeah. by the fact that museums are not inclusive spaces almost by including it although it sounds like a crazy thing to say it's like paradoxical <laughs> yeah <right>? yeah <laughs> but i don't know i just feel like so the, let's say more about it yeah though. i just feel like the the kind of um discourse of inclusivity um is a lot less simple than it seems like oh huh. you know like We forgot to have all of these and these and these people as part of the history of art. Right. Let's now like take get them all in here, and then the problem is solved. Right. So including them in, a, in the museum yeah. is a yeah. way of showing there's some kind of exclusivity happen, exclusion happening. Right. Like there's Isn't by there choosing there, by choosing which art is gonna be showcased. Yeah. Right. You. Yeah exclude other arts i mean there's that there's this idea of okay even if you include this and this and this there's like always other things that are going to be excluded but then i don't know i'm thinking of a specific book by peggy phelan who basically says visibility is a trap like, it's a trap yeah but that's at the same time that's that's a crazy thing to say because no, otherwise who's gonna see it like the, a, a big point of art is also achieving the biggest possible circulation and how otherwise are you going to do it other than making it visible the biggest possible circulation yeah like, like having being, the, having it be seen exactly exactly so like if the ideal would be for everybody in the entire world to see the piece yeah so I know, I, yeah, like, what, let's figure out what this trap of visibility yeah. is because yeah. i find that really yeah. fascinating um as soon as something becomes visible you have to then categorize it basically Ooh. maybe at, that's what and thinking yeah. that maybe you're getting it well that sounds um, like yeah that sounds like what yeah at the same what i was trying like the way i understand this 
quote is to think about the relationship between visibility and vulnerability. Um, I don't. I. I. I, oh, I see. Okay. Um, I helped in one performance once so the the absurd thing is that I study performance art but I don't perform <laughs> that's what people always get really mixed up they're like oh so you're an actress I'm like no um so you direct people huh you direct performance no I just or, I uh, study them okay yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's you, you don't do, do it, yeah. <laughs> I write about you them do the history yeah, yeah yeah exactly um but anyways so once I helped with the performance and I it was something at MoMA PS1 and kind of walked around and I had my my um task was to walk on a rope walk as straight as possible on a rope and then walk back for I think about an hour and I, I could I noticed how people just suddenly they they kind of came in and they were like oh oh it's a per-. first they were like oh what's this girl doing there like the strange girl and then they were like oh it's a performance and suddenly they had the license to just stare at you and come really close and take pictures of you in your face and that, that then that was the moment I realized how incredibly vulnerable you make yourself when you put yourself kind of when you make yourself so visible making certain yeah. bodies visible on a stage is also yeah. making them kind of them so much more themselves yeah even. yeah making them vulnerable to being photographed this way or whatever being stared at object yeah so then is the question is is being visible what you really want and that's kind of i don't know that's why i don't i dress in certain ways that's why i wouldn't wear this extremely short skirt whatever because i don't want to be trapped in my own visibility maybe the vulnerability of visibility Yeah, yeah it definitely brings in like a whole huge like um area of of ethics when you bring in people and then it's interesting because it brings in a lot of philosophy too about thinking about what is a subject kind of consciousness there's a lot of critical race theory too right because critical race theory i mean there's first there's a lot of object or an ontology and people being like oh it's really interesting to think about objects and kind of the relationship between body and object and the way i was talking about minimalism before and this kind of relationship between the cube on the floor and the body in the space and then critical race theory says but look there's so many people that have been treated as objects so long throughout history and you can't talk about the relationship between body and object without talking about slavery or body and commodity and um so there's this whole kind of political aspect that comes in with performance art that i would say in relation to say people thinking about a painting on a wall or whatever a sculpture in a space i would say that maybe it's not that it hasn't been it hasn't been there all along but kind of it just makes it more um, apparent to think about the ethics of looking and yeah. kind of I think something that is really interesting there is kind of the relationship between spectatorship and voyeurism mm. all throughout history I mean it's very obvious that I, I looked at kind of preparing for my art history thing I walked through a lot of kind of museums with old art <laughs> on the walls in the yeah. summer and it's just so many naked women in there yeah and you know that it was men painting naked women to be seen by men the way we look at those paintings today the way i look at them as a woman mm-hmm. um it must be so different from the way other people looked at them 200 years ago and i don't there's no way we can possibly find out what it was like to look at these paintings and i wonder if there was something very sexual about going to a museum 
how close it was to pornography. Yeah, I mean, and before the age of photography, too, right? Yeah, like before pornography. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, and then you think of like the, uh, what is it, Shunga art of Japan? It's these really like intricate and detailed images of people like having sex, like usually like a man and a woman. Uh, And oftentimes there's like an animal involved, either the two become an animal together or like, Mm -hmm. or it's a, there's like a really famous one of like an octopus um, okay. I have to look eating a woman out. So like this art of like showing mm-hmm. like sexual mm-hmm. intercourse, and they're I mean they're like creepy things like yeah. huge penises and yeah. like yeah. I don't know. Which <laughs> that's something that really stuck with me from my kind of undergrad introduction to art history things is these manuscript illuminations. I don't know if. You ever studied them, but in kind of medieval books, I love medieval. There's just these insane things on the side, and at least to my knowledge, nobody really knows what they're doing there. Like, there's a few theories of kind of a lot of um, psychoanalytic theories too of people kind of like trying to get rid of their repressed sexuality and the kind of marginalia of these texts, and then some other things are about people just having fun or something. but that's that's wonderful. Just these kind of weird donkeys yeah. with penises on the sides yeah. of these really old manuscripts, and I nobody know, and knows what like, to do with them. It's like we could either yeah. take it really seriously yeah, and think, yeah. oh, maybe they're trying to convey something, yeah. or we could just they're just like, like but we're just having, having fun. fun, exactly. Come on. Like we're just so that's yeah, it's yeah. really interesting to think about. Yeah, to think about kind of different forms of spectatorship historically like how am I as a contemporary viewer looking at these things in a completely different way than maybe the people who consume them at that time have looked at them and then the, the performance becomes the act of looking Flora, who comes from an art performance art history background sees art from a socio-political perspective her concerns are, in my view quite legitimate art is a small world despite the fact that museums now have blockbuster shows that pull in tens of thousands of viewers, it is still viewers from a truncated economic slice of the population. Art is still experienced as a leisure activity for those who can afford it. It's just that now more people can afford it. This preaching to the choir, in her words, is a real political problem as the discourse is both narrowed and too readily self-satisfied. She makes another point, though, that is epistemic. These points are complex. The institutions choose which works to exhibit and which works not to. And thus, the canon, the history, is a constructed thing. When we choose one thing, we have left out another, by necessity. I put together once a complicated exhibition called Interpretation that involved the curators from MoMA Dia, the Bronx Museum, and Thread Waxing Space, where I gave all of them a set of artworks to choose from, such that each curator chose a subset of the total, and then we exhibited these different epistemic choices. Four curators meant four histories, so to speak. Flora is thinking somewhat along these lines. She also sees art from a highly psychological perspective. She points to the novel view that there is a linear relationship between vulnerability and visibility. And as art is about visibility, artists birth their work 
into the world for others to experience, there seems to be an involuntary shift to the artist's vulnerable exposure to the world, a vulnerability of the artist. So she asks the question, is this vulnerability something that should be blindly sought? Is it good to be so vulnerable to the voyeurism of the audience? Voyeurism is an uncomfortable topic in art. While she is initially dealing with the idea in an unusual form, that is, the artist being vulnerable as their inner thoughts are put on display, the word is usually thought of in another way, the leering quality that viewers sometimes bring to paintings of nude females. Flora addresses that too by talking about the different epistemic ways audiences now deal with those nudes as opposed to the way they were viewed when the paintings were made a few hundred years ago, at a time when men made the paintings for men to look at. Now, for example, when she, as a woman, views them in the 21st century, her framing of their meaning and their worth is entirely different from the viewing by the men hundreds of years ago. This conversation does tales nicely with the talk Popsy conversation had on the same day between resident philosopher Laura and participant Mark. The artwork can stay the same, but its meaning can shift. As Mark so well describes it, this happens with individuals who come back to the work at a later date and get new meaning from it. And it happens also, as Flora describes it, with larger sets of people as cultural interpretations shift. What an artwork means today is not what it meant hundreds of years ago. Reference and meaning are never closely tied. It is a marriage that can have seismic shifts and mean-spirited divorces, and it is art where we see this disjunct most clearly. <laughs> 